Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hi, Banjo. Off the top, I have a congratulations, which I need to give, to the uh, mighty Preston Bullants in the Vaffa D... One or something. This that, is grossly self-indulgent. Won the uh, won the premiership on the weekend, and of course the uh, best tap ruckman in the Vaffa, running for like, about eight years or so. Uh, Lewis Fotheringham <laughs> just absolutely took the piss in the ruck and uh, got away with the premiership. The mighty uh, Preston Pigs, as I like to call them, banjo. So congratulations to them. I had to say that we we had a very nice day actually. The uh, oh. the the following day, the the Sunday, they allowed my brother to take the premiership cup home that night <laughs> so that he could bring it into hospital where my dad is to bring him the uh, premiership cup on the uh, sunday morning which oh, that's was, quite uh, sweet it actually was really sweet it was great to see his reaction so it's a happy uh, fotheringham family at the moment and oh, congratulations to, to the uh, the mighty preston pigs and their uh, their premiership do you remember the last time i had to congratulate my brother off the top of the pod? i do but only because you reminded me <laughs> two minutes ago <laughs> it was lewis and another one of our mates uh, woke me up at about 2 a.m jumping on my bed demanding that I congratulate old Carey for their win on the weekend. That time, that was their only win for the season, and that's why they were so happy about it. So they, he probably deserves congratulations just a little bit more on a, on this occasion. Bear to Joe. be fair, so, he was playing a significantly higher grade <laughs> last time, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, so a fair <laughs> bit higher. I think that was A grade. He's now, yeah, D1, I think. So they'll be going up to C grade. So they're doing all right, the old... Uh, I'm Preston, a big Preston fan Pigs. of uh, sporting organisations sparing the lower levels, the humiliation of getting too far down the alphabet by splitting yeah. E grade into <laughs> two or E yeah. grade into two. Yeah, that's true. But it's, look, it's so kind. But th- there is something else important which I need to raise off the top of the pot as well, yes, Banjo. Go ahead, go ahead. Where's my cake? You've promised me a prototype cake for this week as your practice run for I the think, Josh Kelly party. I think if you check the tape, which I'm very certain you won't do, you'll find that I promised you a prototype cake either... This week or next week before the... Po- next week's like two days before the party, Banjo. You, it's getting close. I'm not sure you're what? taking this seriously if I, enough. If I made a cake now, I'd have forgotten all I'd learned from the process oh. by, the time we got to, by the time we got to Thursday. How long did you put off actually organising this party? And now what you've, it's actually down. We have a date for it. You need to do a few just little things just to get it going. And you're still bloody putting it off, Banjo. Yeah. So I don't what, think you take this seriously I forgot enough, when mate. I went shopping. I don't have baking trays or anything like that so i got to buy all that <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's going to be a bit of an effort so but you're we'll going to you're going to cook two josh kelly or bake two josh yeah. kelly cakes next week yeah you can take the prototype home and um Tell me how it tastes. Well, look, I won't complain too much, but I'm expecting it, Banjo. This time next week, I want to be guaranteed gorging on a beautiful Josh Kelly cake. Guarantee it'll be there. We'll uh, we'll eat it while guarantee. we do the we do it while we eat, well, while we record the pod, and uh, we'll have the listeners get the taste of that mouth feel and just that, <laughs> that beautiful sound of people chewing. I <laughs> know uh, that's what they want to hear. It's exciting. Uh, it's only about ten days away. I'm pretty it, excited. Yeah. Jeez, it's close. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. There was actual football that happened on the weekend. There was a little bit of football, yes, Banjo. But off the top, as always, we do everyone's favourite segment, which is uh, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title of the segment comes from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, Who Gives a Shit? And we uh, go through the most meaningless games of the round, Banjo. Obviously, only two games of uh, footy this week. Yeah, and this is the harshest uh, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. Yeah, look, or one of the harshest. It, look, it's, it, it's a little stiff to be giving it to one of two games, but there there was an obvious one that stood out as being the most meaningless out of the round. So, Banjo, Geelong defeated West Coast by 20 points. So, to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yep. Biggest margin, team less likely to win the following week as well. Would you say that? Uh, I don't know. That's actually up for debate, I think. Yeah. And what, was a, what would you say was a bigger upset as well? Yeah, tight. Probably tight. up for debate, but it was, it was a more boring To be fair, game. the Geelong one probably shouldn't have been as big of an upset as it was framed. Uh, Geelong were at home, finished top of the ladder. Yeah, that's true. And there's probably a bit of uh, contextual factors that were clouding everyone's judgment. But if we had looked at it purely, it might not have been such an upset in our minds. Yeah, that, that, that is true. Um, it 
was a pretty damn good win for Geelong, it has to be said. Obviously, yep. got off to a good start. but um, yeah, Would you Co- like to uh, elaborate on that good start that we definitely watched and weren't in the oh, bar watching mate, the basketball? Well, yeah, we, we, we watched it in <laughs> absolute great detail, Banjo. But uh, no, I, I kept having my eye slightly and on And to it, be Banjo, fair, so. I picked up on when Bruce McAvaney yeah. <laughs> called Menegola <laughs> Menegalia. That was the highlight of the night, for sure. You were, you were pretty proud <laughs> to have picked up on that. Yes. But no, but yeah, obviously, great start for Geelong. Uh, but there were patches throughout the middle of the game where watching you thought like if you just went along to this game and had a look at it i, I can see that west coast were a premiership team last yeah. year they had patches when they played some well, really the good whole footy. middle two quarters they were fantastic yeah they steadied the ship in the second and then hit the front pretty furiously in the third and looked as good as they'll they look yeah. they they were just fantastic there was this moment where gaff kicked two goals in about a minute and they were just looking purely purely good footy and yeah, for Geelong to steady the ship again after that, that was just so impressive. Yeah, so yeah, to hold on during that period. And then the, the last quarter was just, from the first second, Geelong looked... Yeah, they kicked a goal nearly uh, immediately. Yeah, I, I guess either more hungry or just had more in the tank. Perhaps West Coast just spent all their chips coming back into the game, yeah. which does happen sometimes. I'm not sure the reason, but West Coast absolutely ran over the top of them in the last quarter. Geelong absolutely ran Did over the top. Did I say West Coast? Yes. yes, Geelong <laughs> ran over the top of them in the last Hot quarter. Um, so, yeah, like it, that, that's a really good win, and one of those wins which would make you pretty proud as a Geelong supporter heading home. Yeah, and importantly, Dangerfield, second great good finals game in a row. Ah, uh, wasn't that good. Oh, his last quarter was excellent. I, just, I don't took like know. Four contested marks in the last quarter. Yeah, he did. But, I mean, what's the point in taking one if you turn around and kick it out in the full? Like, if he takes a contested mark 30 metres out from goal, the absolute best players, you pencil them in to kick that goal in a big Can moment. Can we reflect on that? I knew he would miss it, and he missed it by a mile. He misses it every time. Bontempelli can't kick for goal. Yeah, yeah. Fife is iffy. Who else would you throw in there? Dusty's good. Easy D- D- Dusty would kick it. And like, he's the best finisher. And the best players by a mile. we've seen in the past. Ablett would kick it every time. Ablett did yeah, miss his not, one shot yeah, on goal. Okay. <laughs> at, at his peak, he would kick it every time. But with danger, it's not just that. It's, it's in those big moments. He tries so hard to will himself into games. But everywhere, all over the ground, he ends up butchering it and turning it over. Yeah, look, I I've seen quite you. a lot on danger. I know you have. I agree with you in principle, but he's been fantastic this final series. He's still one of the best couple of players in the game at worst, really. And you've gone a bit too harsh on him. You've you've just soured a little too much. He's definitely an A grader. He's in the top echelon, but I don't think he's that just absolute champion of the game that we seem to hold him at that standing. I I, I would take Dusty any day of the week. I think you're nitpicking a little bit. Would you take Dusty ahead of him? Probably, but that's the only player I think I'd take ahead of him. No, I think Bondapelli's probably a better player now. Obviously, Danger's done it for longer. But yeah, look, I'm not saying he's not a good player. And obviously, this is a relative discussion. But yeah, he's not the absolute champion of the game that we talk about him because uh, because okay. he doesn't do it in the How big moments. And he doesn't do it in the game either in the league. I don't know. You have Andrew. to you have to put some parameters on this. But like, okay, for example, is he in the top five players of the game? Because then he is an absolute champion. Well, I don't know. This, this year, I, I didn't have him in my top five. Yeah, and I think you're wrong. He's going to win the brown low. But, but like, I, I think probably better where my discussion is framed is we had a discussion a few weeks ago about the top five best players of the decade. Yeah. And there were discussions about would Danger be in there or will he be for the next decade, that sort of stuff. I don't think he's quite there. I think if we reflected on it, he'd probably be in it for this decade. He's like a five-time All-Australian this decade or something yeah, like I, that. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But there's just he's just not clean enough for him to be as good as people talk about. He's I just agree, a little bit overrated. No player that is at the pinnacle of the game is ever as good as they're talked about. Except for like four weeks in Dusty Barton, like when he was absolutely going gangbusters. All right, all right. Enough, enough Dangerfield discussion. Well, what else do we take out of this game from a Geelong point of view? They, they obviously the main Save issue. Save their season. Yes, but look from a from a game style point of view, the main concern heading into oh, yeah. this 
this week was scoring after they were unable to score in the first week. Obviously scored a lot better. Really did share around their targets a lot better. It wasn't just through Hawkins every time. Radagalia had one of his better games yeah, of the year. Pulled which out is, an almost Mason Cox. You were referring to it as yeah, Just pulling out a good game out of nowhere. I think that's a bit nowhere. harsh because I think Sam Wiedemann's game was probably better on the whole than yes. Mason Cox's. Ah, oh, no. No, Mason Cox just ripped it apart. He, he, he turned the game in 10 minutes. That's why it was so incredible okay. Mason Cox. But uh, no, Radically, he faded as it went on, but he had some really good contested marks and some really good moments. That just allowed Hawkins to get a little bit more off the chain and to have a little bit less attention put into him. Yeah. And it's funny how you always think, oh, how good would this player be if they're the number one target every time? But a lot of the time, it's when they're not is when they start kicking goals. Yeah, you want to be able space. to not get absolutely zoned in on. You see this with a lot of key forwards. When they're the only option in a forward line, it's a lot harder for them. Kennedy is made so much better by Darling being really good. Although yep. he's passed it now a little bit. But all those great key forwards are better when they've got a foil. Although, again, Lynch and Rewald haven't quite found their groove. But we'll get... Yeah. Um, I'm sure they will. Is, is Gary Rowan expected to come back? I think he's one of the options. He's yeah. sort of 50-50. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd be playing him, to be honest. No, but I, mean, I know Hawkins is do? out. But You're going to play Zach... Uh, Zach Simpson? That, no, what's that? Zach the, Smith? Smith, that's <laughs> Just blanked. I was going to call him Zach well, Dawson, I mean, and I knew that was wrong. They, they have, they have and the option. And they op- put Stanley Ford? Yeah, they have the option of putting Stanley Ford and then putting Blitzarves in the ruck, or potentially Zach Smith, I'm not sure. Um, I really do feel like the best option would be Dangerfield at full forward, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, but I, then you say all the time that he can't kick for goal. Yeah, but like, I'm looking at this from the perspective of I don't expect Geelong to win this game. They need to do something a bit different to win this game. They need something special, which would be putting Dangerfield at full forward. That gives them a different look to what they have had and could and he has surprise done uh, Richmond a bit. Yeah, that game against Hawthorne where he kicked five goals, six or something on one oh, leg. Oh, yeah. So um, he, can, he can be a good lead-up keep forward. He's done it in a final before. He did. I think it was Sydney a couple of years ago. It was a semi-final as well where they got oh, flogged right. in the first one and he started at full forward and had four at halftime or something. Um, so I, I just feel like it gives them a little bit more of a different look. Yeah. And they need to do something different to beat Richmond is, is what my thoughts are. Yeah, the only problem is I can't see them beating Richmond if they don't win the contest by a lot. And yeah. Dangerfield's their best contested player. So yeah. it's a bit of a catch-22. Well, maybe Chuck Selwood back in there. <laughs> well, they sort of did that. We a li- talk a little about bit that. more. He only had five contested possessions. So it wasn't like he was absolutely no. feasting on the inside. But... He was a lot more central to the way their midfield operated, and he had probably his best game of the year. I think he probably realistically played the same role. He just played it a lot better than he that's has been. There, there, there was a fair bit of... I think he started a few more centre bounces, but yeah. that's not a perfect measure of where he played. Yeah, it's, it, it is funny, the talk around Selwood. It, it, it makes me... It, it reminds me of what, uh, what happened with Cochin a few years ago, except they've gone with a different angle on it like Cochin a few years ago he didn't he wasn't playing that dominant I am the number one inside midfielder he started playing a bit of a role and people absolutely praise Cochin for it that he wasn't the superstar he didn't need to be he's a great leader Selwood's playing a foreign role he's being pushed out onto a wing which is like so far from what he's equipped and it's not not suited to him at all yeah he's not quick enough very much so he's not as good good enough runner he's been copping a little bit of criticism up until this week I think that's because it's been framed as he's aging and had to go, whereas Koch and was young enough yeah. where we thought it was a real decision. I think like he's obviously been far from the Selwood, which we know, but he, yeah. he's been all right. He's played all right, and I think he deserves a pat on the back for having played He's a probably role. been below average as a winger. He hasn't been good in the role. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I, it's clearly not suited to him, and I think he's done a yeah. pretty good job. I think he's done it, it to create space for other midfielders to thrive, and I think it's been really good for the team. I just don't think he's done particularly well at it. And throwing him back in the midfield to give them a lift, like the proper inside midfield, I think it's a good option to have up yeah. his sleeve. I, I, Wouldn't I you like to be able to throw in Selwood when things aren't going too yeah, well? Yeah, well, I, I think they probably should use him more like that, almost like yeah. a break glass situation. Like when, when the game's going against you... Chuck Selwood in the middle, and you know he will have this thing of like, this is my yeah. chance in the guts. So I'm going to lift my team now. Exactly. Um, like you can easily see that happening in a prelim or a grand final. So hopefully we see it this week because yeah. I don't want Richmond to win. Yeah. Uh, for West Coast, though, we should talk about how it did end up quite a disappointing season for them. Yeah. They blew it in a game, and I've seen a lot of people mock that take, but it's pretty true. They would have finished second or third 
if they'd beaten Hawthorne, and I think we'd be talking very differently about them. Yeah, I, I feel that way. I look at the um, the last two weeks. I've seen enough indications from enough. I've seen enough periods from West Coast in which I've thought that's a premiership team. I understand yeah. why you won a premiership this year. You are a good enough team to win the premiership yeah. this year. But they obviously blew their chance at a top two or top four finish. And then you, you feel like the Willy Rioli stuff must have shaken them up a little bit heading into this game, put well, them a little bit on the back foot, and then it's gone. He is an incredibly important player for them too. They True. rely on yes. those small forwards creating a lot of havoc. And with one less of their elite small forwards, it just really hurt Mind them. You, like Ryan and Petrocelli played well, but... Yeah, but I think yeah, there's a step, there's a difference between Rioli and Petrocelli. Yes, uh, it, it's where he, it's his kicking that makes yeah. him stand apart. Really, yeah. yeah. Petrocelli's a finisher. Yeah. Rioli is a finisher, but he also creates. He, yeah. he yeah. has a more well-rounded game. And so I think they missed him on field quite a lot because they weren't as smooth. At, for the first and last quarters, they just weren't as smooth in transition, and he helped so much with that. His ability yeah. to link up and make those forward entries a lot more punishing is one of his key strengths in the side. But yeah, the mental toll it took on the team we just will never know yeah I, I feel like there's a fair chance to put them a little bit on the back foot off the start and then they had to play some really damn good footy to get back in the game and mm. ended up spending their tickets a little bit um so yeah it does feel like i mean it's hard to call it's harsh to call something a wasted season when they won a premiership last year it's so hard to go back to back and little things happen and but like a, out, a but prelim was a pass mark yeah yeah and they didn't make it and they should have yeah, like they, you can't tell me they weren't one of the best four sides in the competition over the year. No, I, I think they're. The, I'd say they're the second best, or at least in the top two. Yeah. I, I, I believe that. Yeah, but um, yeah, they they won a flag, and I say like so few teams go back to back. Sometimes things just don't work out. For yeah, you. last year was probably more of a success than this year is a failure. But yeah. it's still on looking in an isolated, in an isolated way. This year was a failure. Yeah, and then the question is, are they back to being a premiership team next year or close to a premiership team next year? Every Don't chance. see any reason why not. They are ageing without being at that yeah. point where you feel like players will retire. But They were the oldest side in the finals by a fair stretch, I think, from sort of games played per player. Mm. But they've got enough youth there that like, if Kennedy goes down, maybe Oscar Allen can pick up a little bit of the slack. Yeah. Because he looked really good, and I think they missed him in the final series. Rioli probably won't be playing next year no, <laughs> so he's not while, coming back think, yeah. but uh, they've got uh, Charlie Cameron's cousin who looked good in glimpses yep. so they've got a lot of options for those kind of uh, those roles so you'd think they'd have a bit of the depth to be able to come back next year yeah they don't have the players who are going to retire now but no. the question is do they have players who will just drop off a little yeah. bit because they're just getting old so guys like Shuey are about to be 30 or something like that yeah and it, does he go from being an A grader to a B plus? Yeah, like I'd be pretty confident they'll be a good team next year. It'll be interesting to see if yeah they did waste a second chance at a premiership, or whether they just kind of they're able to just reload and go again next yeah. year. So yeah. Anyway, we should move on. Our top five this week, a segment that needs very little explanation, is going to be on the top five, our top five Brownlow bets. Um, I haven't put mine in order at all because I'm not going to pretend I'm enough of an expert in betting to <laughs> be able to give you tips in order. But we found some options that we like. I took mine from Bet Easy. Don't know where you were looking at. Oh, sports bet. Sports the easy bet. app, mate. No, it's um, it, it's weird with us. We're not big bettors, and we don't generally talk. Oh, we love the brown line. <laughs> we don't talk a lot about betting on the pod, but I reckon once or twice a year we just go with the top five related to betting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's kind of just fun it's to easy. go through, and yeah, just bring up, just yeah, try to find some things which are a little bit out of the mm-hmm. box. I, I always start, don't I, Banjo? You do, so, you uh, do. My number five, Banjo, is I like the one which you pulled up off Bet Easy. So I've stolen one of yours oh. related to the, the schools. The, oh, uh, yep, yep. The yep. private schools, and they made little uh, brackets for the... There was a few players from each of the private schools. To make it not so easy, they didn't pick everyone's best players, which is quite amusing. But yeah, which has uh, screwed us over a little bit. But we're obviously <laughs> Carey boys, Banjo, so we've been putting our money on Carey, and they had odds of $5.50. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, we got screwed a little little bit by the fact McRae's not in there because yes, be they like would have won otherwise 20-odd votes who was again it was, it was Viney Gaff, Viney and Darcy Moore yeah okay which I don't, I don't mind that getting get votes from Gaff votes. Viney oh, had a very bad year he'd get, he'd get a couple and Darcy Moore might get the occasional one if 
the yeah. umpires are looking for him. We're, they were about the third favourite, weren't they? Yeah, which is probably a bit high, to be yeah. honest. Nah, we've got, we've got to jump on Carey. So I, I don't mind it, Banjo. It'll be uh, fun to sort of get around the Carey boys during the night. So that, that's my number five. Okay, so my number five, I've gone for an outright winner. Yeah, I feel, felt like I had to give my tip for the Brownlow in this, so I've gone my tip. I just don't know. I, yeah, no, neither do I. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like really anybody's odds. Danger is coming way too much. Over this final series, <laughs> it was like three seventy five yeah. before it started, and because he's played two good games in finals, he's coming to two dollars. Which $2. don't 60. count. Yeah, it just, <laughs> yeah. just it has no impact at all. But it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he was good this year, <laughs> and I probably think he's the he's the most likely player to win it in my mind. But I don't like his odds. Not I do like Bontempelli's odds. I think he's a decent chance. Five dollars seventy five. Oh, it's a bit juicy there, a bit of uh, meat on the bone. I don't mind, I don't mind. He, he, he feels like a Brownlow player, yes. Bont. The question is how many Dogs players are going to take votes off them. There's that midfield group. It feels like it'll be almost... There's three of them that could easily get 20 votes yeah, each. Yeah, it could be very evenly spread between mm. Dunkley, McRae and the Bont. So that, that makes it a bit more difficult I'm thinking for the him, Bont gets a lot of votes early in the year before the other two picked up their form, and that carries him to the yeah, win. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But uh, yeah, anything could happen this year. So I haven't gone with any outright ones, not not, uh, not confident at all on anything. Pussy. Um, <laughs> keep going. For Banjo, I've got I've got one of them, which is uh, most votes from their team, which is obviously the, the mm-hmm. classic one. I went with Elliot Yo as my favourite one. He wasn't quite favourite. He was at $2.75, so not, not brilliant yeah. uh, odds, but there's a little bit of value there. I think they had Shuey as the favourite at about $2.20. But I think Yo would probably yeah, win it quite comfortably. Especially with the way uh, Gary Lyon was talking about him all year. You'd and think that would have got in the umpire's exactly. mind. Exactly. I might have listened to a little bit too much SEN <laughs> Breakfast, but I had a look at the... Uh, the the AFL Brownlow predictor thing, and it had Yo about six votes ahead of Shuey. Yeah, he was five so or six that, votes So with that, there is clear. a lot of a lot of value there. Yeah, exactly. It looks pretty comfortable. So a reasonable little bet there on a Yo. <clears throat> My number four. I've gone with a uh, bit of a weird bracket. They picked about eight or nine players and had a handicap market. And I've gone for the rank outsider, Todd Goldstein, at plus nineteen votes. The others are sort of like uh, Patrick Dangerfield at scratch, Dusty Martin at plus four. But I reckon Todd Goldstein, he's guaranteed a couple of three-vote games that he had uh, throughout the year. And I think there's a sprinkling of votes there for him for ones and twos that he could just sneak you, sneakily get to the top of that pack. And he's at $8. So I think that's good value. Could you explain <laughs> this vote, this uh, uh, market again? So what? it's like it's a so list they have of a like group of players. 10, uh, yeah. And, and he's just to be 19 off winning it. Yeah. So basically 19 behind like Danger probably. Yes. Or... Dusty or 15 behind Dusty or something like that. So how many votes do you reckon he'll get? Uh, I think he'll sneak. A couple of best-ons? A couple of definite best-ons, and I think there's a few ones and twos sprinkled out through there. So you reckon he could get about eight or nine votes? Yeah. Danger gets 25. He's beaten him. not bad, and $8, yeah. Yeah, I just like the value. Had to put something and also on Goldie. Yeah, had, yeah. had to put something on Goldie. Your flog, but it doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> uh, number three, Banjo. This was a, a, a wacky one on our sports bet. It was Tim Kelly to leave, lead the voting after round 15, which I'm pretty confident about. Yes. And then Dangerfield to go on, on and win it at $4, I think is uh, quite good value. I think that's just a good way to get some value betting on Danger for the brown, though. Really. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you I, get I, an extra dollar forty or something on him, and I think the Tim Kelly side of things pretty set Yeah, I feel like that is the most likely thing probably to happen this, yeah. uh, this Brownlow night. We, we were obviously pretty confident on old TK. I think it was about round 15 when we chucked... going to pull another vote. No, we, we chucked money on him around five or something like that and oh. we were feeling really, really good. Yeah, I could maybe. pull up the date of my bets. It was early like. yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he didn't Poll for the last yeah, game. he basically we, we we put ten bucks on him. He got like two best on ground straight after that, plummeted to like two dollar odds. Yeah, and then didn't get another vote from that it point on. It was heartbreaking. <laughs> but, exact same thing happened when I bet on Cunnington, which we will not mention anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that one didn't quite work out either. Did a banjo. Uh, my number three. I've gone another one close to my heart. Tom Papley to get more votes than Eddie Betts at two dollars fifty. Close Eddie to my Bet- heart as well. <laughs> Eddie Betts is actually favoured for this. They must think he's going to get votes in both the Gold Coast yeah, games. Yeah, he will. That'll get him six votes, and then he probably kicked another handful. Uh, no, he didn't kick no. any more goals for the rest of the season. <laughs> oh, no, he kicked thirty goals. Will de- didn't he? I would be. I'm very confident. Papley was 
yeah. get more votes. I can think of a couple of games. Had a significantly better season. Yeah, he had like a couple of games where he kicked four goals and had like yeah. 24 touches. There a couple of, yeah, there were a couple of games where you feel like he's a chance to And get there was three. that game where I yeah. texted you saying he's had the greatest small forward game of all time, yeah. which might have been an exaggeration. Y- you'd hope that he might, uh, <laughs> might get best on I that. I bet you he is. doesn't. I yeah. bet you he doesn't. Wait, wait, what were his odds? Uh, $2.50. So he's two dollars fifty to one dollars fifty, one dollar yeah, fifty, yeah, and I just like those odds. Fair enough. Uh, bets is overrated, so that's that's a good bet to do, I guess. Number two, banjo, uh, Josh Dunkley. I've got most votes over the last eight rounds. He Ooh, came I don't home mind like a that. house on fire. He's he at, did. He's at fourteen dollars. Oh, those are juicy odds. They are, they are very juicy odds. I think the favourite was Danger. Which he yeah. will come home strong. But again, I looked at the uh, the old AFL Brownlow predictor again, and it had uh, Dunkley was one vote off danger for that stretch of time. It also had Bont getting a lot of votes. So I feel like if the umpire's a little bit nicer to Dunkley as opposed to the Bont, yeah. then uh, I think you could get over there. And I think at $14, it might be worth a sneaky little bet. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I was, I, I'll tell you later. I've got a sneaky little uh, insurance scheme going on with Josh Dunkley as well. But, insurance uh, <laughs> scheme, do you? Yes, that's what, how I phrase it. <laughs> uh, so my next one, I've got Cornelio, Cameron, Whitfield, Taranto and mm. Kelly to all poll 10 votes. Yeah, I saw that one. I did see that one. It I just really a little, like it. It just seemed a little too complicated for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because you get to cheer a lot when a lot of votes come up. But you and just it always con- makes you feel but good. But you just get confused at every GWS game and be like, oh, yeah, no, I wanted him to get votes, but that means he didn't get votes. And then you're going to have no <laughs> a idea whole what's heap going of on. But I do think Cornelio had enough yeah. three-vote games. Cameron definitely did. They'll get 10. With his bags. Whitfield and Taranto were probably a bit... Uh, but Kelly had a yeah. purple patch of form midway through the year. Yeah. So I think he'll get 10. You feel like you look at every individual one of those players. You think, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll get, get over 10. 10. But the likelihood but someone will get nine. one of them will <laughs> drop. Yeah, one of them will have a disappointing <laughs> night. Uh, yeah, who's, what's your number one bet? My number one, Banjo, I've got Will There Be a Tie for this Brownlow. It's at $4. I reckon it's a pretty decent bet. Yeah, I like it a damn lot. damn close. I just, I just, I have a feeling it will be a tie. I'm considering putting on some super elaborate multi <laughs> with all these bets just to <laughs> yeah. see, and see how all, much. All 10 of our bets into just Put like five bucks multi. on each and get like... 5,000 to 1 yeah, odds or Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should both do it. Let's put $5 on a, a multi. We'll see if they let us do it. And but see uh, what sort of odds they give us I do that. like that. I'm, I think it's going to be a much lower polling Brownlow medal winner than the past. We don't have a Tom Mitchell or a no. Paddy Dangerfield uh, be or a, a good Dusty. Night. Yeah, it's going to be a contest for the first time in forever. And uh, yeah, I really, really like that bet. My last one, my Josh Dunkley's uh, insurance scheme is... If Bondapelli doesn't win the Brown, though, <laughs> I think that'll be because he's underpolled. And one reason I think he might underpoll is because Josh Dunkley will get the most votes by the Bulldogs at $8.50. So it's either Bondapelli wins or Josh Dunkley gets the most votes. And either way, you come out a winner if you follow my betting advice. You're a dickhead, Banjo. <laughs> Just Make a call, Banjo. I did. I made either no, way. Who is going to win it out of those two, Banjo? Who will get the most votes for the Bulldogs? Make your call. I don't know, and I don't particularly oh. care because as long as it's one of them, well, Bondapelli wins, I guess, then I'll win. And she's just winning all around. You're boring, mate. Stop sitting on the fence. You need to make a big call on it, and you just you don't have you don't have any idea what's your going on. big bet was on a tie. <laughs> I reckon that is quite bold. That's quite interesting. Okay, mate. Anyway, let's move on. GWS defeated Brisbane by three points in an absolutely cracking game. Yeah, we needed it, didn't we? It was a very yeah. nice <laughs> game of footy to have, yeah. Yeah, we hadn't had a good final series so far in terms of uh, close games, but this was an absolute brilliant one. And, yeah, marred by a little bit of controversy. Yeah, it had a bit of everything. So this we've game. had a lot of complaints about the umpiring, a few off the ball hits paid for yeah. free kicks that turned into goals, a little bit of niggle on Charlie Cameron's arm, Toby Green getting in someone's face <laughs> again. Yeah, all right. Well, look, and then the throw that led to Brett Daniels' goal. Yeah, there was. I, I don't remember. There was not that long before that Brisbane got a goal, which from a clear throw as well. I think. Yeah. But, <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll, we'll get into these uh, controversies first. Maybe that's the first thing we should uh, Yeah, and then talk we'll talk about. about the game. I mean, there are a few of them. The, the thing which irked me the most coming out of it was I got so sick of the commentators rattling on about the uh, stop, the, the umpire saying stop bumping Charlie Cameron's arm. Like, they talked about it for about 20 minutes. I think I did so well. I watched the first half here, then went to the pub for the second half, and they didn't, you couldn't have hear the commentary on in the second half, and it was just lovely. Just, uh, 
Do you think that's a problem, the umpire saying that? I think it's fair enough. Just no, don't be a dick. I, would, I, I wouldn't have been you. that... I wouldn't have cared either way, to be honest. I, I get the he's come out on the field, he, he's supposed to not be heard. Just but don't be like, a dick. Yeah, exactly. And don't complain when you're told not to be a dick. If you want to try and be sneaky about being a dick, fine. But one, if you get caught, stop. I, I think he's quite good umpiring. The fact, and he did, but the thing is, he didn't even give a free kick. Like, yeah. It's one thing. If he gave a free kick and he there was a, a critical goal kick, that, that's like, okay, this is a big talking point. He just said, y'all, just stop whacking his arm off the ball. And they talked about it for about half an hour. I reckon it's a bit of a non-story, to it's, be honest. And that's oh, you're, 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 things are non-stories now. <laughs> what about what about the, uh, the umpiring? A lot of criticism of the umpiring. I like personally that. didn't notice it that much in terms of being... Too much one way or the other. And like if, when you look in the last quarter, the pivotal time, Brisbane had 10 free kicks to one. So they got an armchair ride in the second half. I think the thing which most people haven't liked is it, it was heavily officiated. There, were, there was a lot of umpiring decisions. But to that be honest... That was bound to happen after the way the, uh, the Giants played yeah, against the Dogs. It was a reaction to that as well as the fact that this was a crazy niggly game. Like, yeah, because so Brisbane also came out reacting to the way the Giants had played and didn't want to get bullied so they tried to bully them and it was just a very fractious game and that's what happens when exactly there's a right. lot of push and there shove were, there were a lot of infringements going yeah. on because both teams were really fired up and ready teams to teams didn't want to give out. away free kicks don't punch the other team in the face it's and not I that hard just think the umpires were just trying to get a little bit of a hold on the game so i again, think they did a pretty good job of it yeah I probably it could have been a lot overall. worse in terms of the spitefulness but they gave free kicks at the right time and it worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and also, I'm never going to be sympathetic to a Brisbane uh, supporter uh, whinging about umpiring after Scott Thompson got uh, robbed of his yes, mark. All right, so, all uh, right. piss off Dan Crowley. And uh, um, what, what, what about Toby Green as well, the other one? I'm staggered this suspension held up. <laughs> like, hey, we're recording uh, between the appeal and the appeal of the appeal, We think, which we think will happen. Yeah. But... Uh, I thought he was a Monty to get off. Everything I read about the way the case went was that the AFL put together a completely inconsistent and pretty lousy case uh, argument forward to why he should get suspended. I don't think the vision showed anything of conclusive, anything remotely conclusive, and I just don't understand how you can suspend him off that. Yeah, well, from from what I've heard, uh, I. I c- yeah, from the little bits and pieces I heard on the radio about what was actually put to the mm. tribunal, there was nothing which really seemed to clearly point to the fact that there was what is it unnecessary contact to the face region, no, or the eye, eye region, region. Or whatever. Yeah, like there was nothing clear on the video. And then Neil said Neil backed up Toby Green. Toby yeah, Green said he obviously got backed waxed himself in the up. nose. I, I don't see what evidence they actually have of that occurring. Bit of a innocent but, until proven guilty question marks going on but, here, but that but that's not the issue with this whole thing. Across the two weeks, like both of those incidents, I don't like them, and I understand why people got really upset that yeah. Toby Green didn't get rubbed out the first time. And I can see either of them going either way. I don't have an issue with that, but God, the inconsistency is just a joke between the two. Especially when they they tried to put in a system where if you were a repeat offender you'd get punished for it. They removed the... Lo- but then they removed the loading for past record. Yeah. And they also removed the three fines and you're out system. And it reared its head earlier in the year when Cunnington definitely should have get, got yeah. suspended for punching people in the bloke, uh, the gut every week. But and it's just, again, reared its ugly head. And I get that you didn't want to suspend five for bumping someone a bit clumsily or... Danger field for yeah knocking out crews are a bit clumsily, but that absolutely should be a rule. You should not have chance after chance after chance. Yeah, bad records should 100% be taken into account. This is part of the, the whole deterrent aspect. Clearly, the fact that Toby Green did it one week, got fined, that didn't deter him in the slightest. We only, if he knew that if you did it again, you have the yeah. points and therefore you will get suspended next time. He definitely would wouldn't have done it. a little it. bit more of a deterrent. And yeah. to be honest, you could even do it where it only holds over if it's in, uh, classified as intentional to rule out the clumsy ones or something like that if you're worried about that kind of thing yeah the, the, but, but even just the whole issue of the, the how the system works with having the MRO and then having the tribunal above that the point of it is is that 
Mark Christian looks at it, tries to make a decision based on the, the box ticking exercise yeah. which he has in front of him. If it is a bit novel or a bit out of it, or he thinks that if he puts it in those boxes, it's not going to get the appropriate penalty, yeah. then he has the ability to refer it to the tribunal, which he did last week, which is fine. Probably the right thing to do. They looked at it. They said it was a fine. There was the a I- big problem with the AFL pursuing a fine. Which is yeah, a large but, part but, of it. But the point of this should be that 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 incident happened. They said it was a fine. You go to the next week. Mark Christian says, "Okay, I have a precedent here. This is what happened last time. It's the exact same incident. It is. It's fine. a lesser version of the incident. It wasn't as bad. Probably, yeah. But the thing is, he they, he was charged with two different things. Last week was serious misconduct, and now it's unnecessary contact to the face. Why didn't he get that charge last week? Yeah, it's it's just, just, it makes no sense. It, it's a bit... It, it, this is just like the prime example of why everyone gets up in arms about well, that. It's tribute. because precedent doesn't matter. Yes, and which is just ridiculous. Yeah, if you're going to have a <laughs> fake legal system, at least have it moderately realistic. It feels like we have like a battle going on between the MRO and the tribunal, and they're like at odds, and then one of them this tries to say, the, no, it should be this, and the tribunal saying... This is saying, the first time... It's not how it's meant to be. This is the first time any of his penalties have made it to the tribunal and stood up all year and it was in the finals and to be fair Tom yeah. Hawkins was pretty clear cut there wasn't much argument there it was just a moonshot by Geelong but yeah. Toby Greens was really contentious and yeah. I firmly believe he should have got off yeah. they're meant to be on the same page and the idea is the tribunal is a higher one and then he has to follow the tribunal but it's just it just doesn't work like that no. it, it's really really weird so let's get to the actual game, I Football, guess. Football, yes. <laughs> it was, yeah, absolutely unbelievable game. Just seesawing. The, the way the Giants started, I thought they were just going to blow Brisbane out of the water. But then for the Lions to come back, they showed a lot of guts. And it just, neither team really deserved to lose in the end. Yeah, well, look, I'd probably say, I'd say Brisbane probably deserved to win it, really. They, they right, had more of the play. They had more of the play in the last quarter. and they. Yeah, I don't know, but they it, lost because of the same issues they've had. yeah. The very, whole year. Very Melbourne Demons-esque, isn't it? The last, it was. The last couple of weeks. Winning the contested ball, winning the clearances, giving themselves every opportunity. But, I mean, it is... You, you do feel... And we always talk about with finals, the importance of finals experience and how for young kids, playing in a couple of finals will make a difference. Sometimes it seems to, sometimes it doesn't. It's hard to judge. But yeah. on this occasion, this feels like a perfect example of that. And that Brisbane, their kids clearly got themselves up for these finals. Yeah. They clearly had the right attitude. Yeah, they didn't they shy were, away from the limelight, did they? Absolutely not. But they just, they didn't have the composure. They didn't, yeah. they did, they weren't able to stay calm in the situation and realise that finals aren't just about going hard. Finals are also about staying calm and yeah. executing. You've got to be better at which, football than the opposition as yeah, well as being harder. Which they weren't able to do, which you feel like next time they should be able to bring that effort again next year. Plus, they might just hone it a little bit yeah, more. So, do you, you know, think they're sort of on the upward trend? Well, that's the obvious way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they're a very young list to have had a... Not even a linear progression. Like, yeah, uh, yeah it was a flatline, flatline, then shoot up. Yes. But yeah, it does seem like that's the trend. But, you know, we so, said that about Melbourne last yeah, year. And they, who knows they, what's going to happen. But. Every, I think everyone would be a lot more sort of obnoxiously positive about them if we hadn't had just seen your team pretty much be True. in the same situation and not recover well at all. True. In fact, you ended up with a better year by the end of it. Yeah. Um, in the, after the finals. But. They had an unbelievably healthy list. True. They had a bottom six draw. True. Neither of those are likely to be replicable. And they've also lost Luke Hodge, who I think played a pivotal role in organising that back line. There are a few red flags for Brisbane. You do make good points, yeah. I still think they're going to be... I'm not sure if they'll hold, but I don't think they'll drop precipitously. I think they'll be a top six side next year. They do need to figure out their forward line, though. Yeah, so I mean, so they finished second. So I mean, yeah. when I say they're going to be good next year, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be second. Yeah. but they might be, you know, a top four chance yeah. sort of thing, um, which you feel like they shouldn't drop too much. Well, what are the forward line issues, Banjo? Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's one issue, and it's the key forward. They yeah. have Hipwood, who is a flanker and is not really put in a key forward role. They don't try and utilize him as a proper key forward, and then they've got McStay, who is a He's not qualified to be a second key forward and he's almost functioning as a primary key forward in sort of in 
every role outside the Ford 50. He has to be the guy that crashes packs and really brings the ball to ground and be that link-up player. And he's just not equipped to be that. And he's not equipped to kick goals. He's kicked 25 goals every year for about four years. Yeah, the issue is, you feel like heading into the season, they would have thought, yeah, we have Hipwood, he's a gun. We have McStay, he's a pretty good sort of Serviceable, second one. Yeah. And we've got sort of Charlie Cameron as a small forward. As the season went on, they realised that the tools weren't working and they started having Charlie Cameron as their number one forward, which probably did get and shown up. And he's about up. the only small forward in the competition that could be used like that yeah but it's um, such a tough it, way it, to play it, it gets shown up in finals against good opposition who are defensively good enough really yeah I, I always say a small forward works really well when you have really quick ball movement and you have a lot of space that can be super dangerous yeah but if the ball movement slowed down a little bit if the opposition clog up the defense it makes it real real tough yeah for a small as forward. soon as the game slows down you really can only expect moments from a small forward and if the way Charlie Cameron was being played here was the main target, and you can't only ask for moments from your main target. He wasn't able to impact the game consistently, which is not his fault at all, really. He was absolutely blanketed by really good defenders. And injured this week. Yeah, true. <laughs> the way he battled through this yeah, week was brilliant, incredible. Yeah, really, really I thought good, yeah. he was probably yeah. going to be out for half of next year when I saw it happen. Yeah. I was... I was borderline distraught watching it. It was and, ugly. And footage. you can see the pain he was in every yeah. contest. And he watching he them wrap well, his yeah. watching them wrap his arm, and he was just fighting through the pain. He it was an unbelievable effort, but it's not really a a way you can expect to win consistently in big yeah. games against big in the best side. So they've got to sort that out. There's probably not someone on the market to really bring in. No, they're if often they hard could to go get. get Josh Bruce, that'd probably help. Mm. He's better than McStay. Yeah. But that's really the only one that seems to be on the market. And even the Josh Bruce stuff has been uh, sort of patted down by Ratton recently. Yeah. All right, so that's Brisbane. Uh, GWS, how how much chance do you give them next week? Based on what we've, we've seen a couple of pretty impressive weeks from them. I actually give them a really sneaky chance. I think they're playing some of the best football in the finals, which is a pretty obvious thing to say when they won two of them. Um, but... I just I like the edge they're playing with. I don't yeah. really care so much for the moralistic judgments that I've heard a lot of people have about them. They're crossing the line, but that's what you do to win a final. Like I'm not really fussed. The Adam Kennedy stuff, I don't mind that he tried to do it. All the stuff last week, I've sort of forgotten the specifics of it, but I was fine with that and thought it was ridiculous the way Bulldogs people whinged about it i just don't think they're i don't think there's anything to complain about i would love in fact i did love when north played with a similar aggression at times this year it's fantastic to watch and i think it gives them a chance to win that I, they wouldn't have if they didn't play like that yeah well it's one of those classic situations of the opposition are going to hate them and they yeah, probably but don't i'd care. love to support but them. as a supporter yeah you'd be pretty happy with it um that, but that, that's what they've brought, isn't it? That, that's their point of difference, this final series. Yeah. That's what they've brought to it, is they are bringing a harder edge than any other team. And clearly they brought that to the Bulldogs game. That was clearly a plan. Yeah. And then I think it's one of those things where it just sort of self-perpetuates. Because after that, they talked about it all week. And then they're like, like okay, Port Adelaide saying again. they were the best running team in the competition for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So they'll try to bring that again. It'll be interesting to see if they can sort of three weeks in a row. And, They've got they've got the star power there to lift yeah. the finals. Um, and if they bring Toby that, Green out, yeah, that's would, a massive one. A but if they bring yeah. that baseline intensity that they brought the last two weeks, it allows their talent to win them the game. They for so, so often they've only relied on the talent. But if the talent is sort of supplementary, which with the way they're playing, it kind of is, it just gives them such a bigger opportunity. Yeah, I look, I, I give them a chance. Um, I think I'd tip I wouldn't them. be confident. Nah. Nah, I, I, I'm down on Collingwood and I have been for a long time. Yeah, I'm a little down on Collingwood too, which is why I give them a chance. But with a week off and I don't know. I, just, I don't know, they belted Collingwood last time they played. Be a very big crowd there and make it, make it pretty difficult. Yeah, it'll be like 70,000. I don't think it'll get to 90 or anything. Yeah, but it'll be 68,000 Collingwood supporters. And then me. Be pretty, pretty aggressive. Uh, be very vocal going for GWS. Gee, there are their back lines working well, though, isn't it? When We've, Haynes and Davis are on song, and then they've still got guys like Sam Taylor like doing a brilliant job in the man-on-man side of things, they're, so, they're almost impenetrable. The way they stood up under Brisbane's pressure in the last quarter was incredible. 
immense. Yeah, it's funny. That was, it was one of one one of the few occasions where there's kind of a story around going into a game of. Mm. Did you know that Phil Davis and Nick Haynes are first and third in the in, uh, uh, intercept marks for yeah. the competition and stuff? And then you go into the game and you're like, oh yeah, how good are like it just backs up perfectly exactly so what much the confirmation stats were. Bias, but it's like nice. But, <laughs> but like it was that was very yeah. clear, particularly late in the game, how significant that was. There was so. one where they both lined up under the ball and the, the Brisbane yeah. players had misread and they just said it sort of. Uh, uh, raffled it off between them, which I found quite amusing. So they've already had a really good final series, GWS. They'd be they'd be pretty happy to have won. They've turned days, what so. was a pretty disappointing year yeah. heading into the final series. I, I, I thought they'd lose comfortably to the Dogs. I thought they'd go out with a whimper because it's how they'd played the last few weeks before finals. Yeah. But at the bye, they got a lot of players back and recovered quite a bit. And now it's been a successful season. Yeah. They need, yeah. hopefully, to get a year where they get everyone... Sort of healthy. Yeah, if that happens, watch out, I guess, yeah. But, yeah, they've re-signed everyone. They're going to be together again for next year. It's good signs for them moving forward. And when you look at it, they've made three out of the last four prelims, made a semi the year they didn't make the prelim. Yeah, yeah. Their run that we were so afraid of has been a tier below what we thought it'd be, or tier or two below what we thought it'd be, but it has been pretty consistent. Yeah, um, yeah. well, that, that, that's the big stat that goes around, is that they've, they're the only team who've won a final for the last four years. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, in the end, it is a successful season. So, yeah, good on them. Props to them. But anyway, let's move on to another favourite segment of ours, Kane Corn's Call of the Week. Well, we look at a call made in the media, ridicule a little bit, then make a stupid one of our own just to get a bit humble. They have been a little bit boring this week, haven't they? The yeah, there was a bit too much football we, for them we, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we had to really dredge to try to find This and one's there was, pretty dumb. Yeah, there were some interesting uh, tribunal takes, but nothing that really was outlandish enough yeah. to fit this segment. So we've gone with uh, a man who is near and dear to our hearts, I think. He's, he's sort of a prototypical Kane a little bit. He erred on the side of this... For a while before Kane really uh, uh, morphed it into the modern form, yeah. but it's it's Hutchy, uh, everyone's uh, least favourite media mogul, probably. Oh, he's up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the more disliked media figures going around. Yeah. I personally love him, to be honest. I just <laughs> I know you do. I, know I love his do. trolley act. Uh, but yeah, he was pitching on Footy Classified that Adelaide should try and poach Ken Hinckley, which. I just find unbelievably farcical. Why? <laughs> oh, no, I know. On Hutchie, dude, well, we said once that he's. Uh, was he, he the original Kane Corns? Because uh, him on Footy Classified yeah. is clear. It is clear as day that he's just trying to say dumb stuff to stir people up. Yeah. Like, it is, he's just so self aware with it and just the, just the perfect way. And Kane and Corns com- has just taken that to another level and everywhere. And the funny he's thing kind of is the that his demeanor is completely different. When you hear him in other media platforms, so it is a hundred percent an act. Yeah, he, he, he was the he OG. Is, yeah. yeah, so we do have a lot of respect for him, but uh, this is probably another one of those sorts of calls because I mean, why Ken Hinckley? So conspiracy theory time. <laughs> like, no, it's like you could say Touch is a Geelong man. Ken Hinckley's a Geelong man. Looking after a mate. That's all I'm going to say. He could say it about bloody any coach. Clearly, it's just what's going to get the biggest headline. Yeah. Oh, an Adelaide coach is going to swap over to the other side of Adelaide. My <laughs> favourite part of it is... If you're just looking on merit, not anything related to the controversy or anything... I wouldn't really look at Hinkley if I was Adelaide. I don't think yeah. he's a good enough coach to poach from another club. He's on borrowed time at Port. Why on earth would you be looking to get that across? Yeah. The, the funny thing about it was this was on a footy classified and all the response was just, it was going straight to like, oh, would he be prepared to go across to an Adel- another Adelaide club and all of yes. that talk? And it's like, what about the fact, do, would Adelaide Why actually would they want him? Want him? Someone who's fair chance going to be sacked next year. Yeah, he's going to be a team. great senior assistant in two years. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why that wouldn't work out, but it was put forward as oh. quite like a simple, oh, yeah, of course, Ken Hinckley would be a great option. But I think Lloydy said he's the best option out there, didn't he? Yeah, just so Which stupid. Although, to, to be it. honest, the other one they're talking about <laughs> is uh, Scott Burns, who had his best finish. It was fourth with Hawthorne last year, and they went out with straight sets, and everything else is in your double digits. So... Not sure you'd be looking at him too closely either. He's been either. very positively talked about for a long time, Scott yeah. Burns. So. You know why? Friends in the media. Uh, it's the possible. only reason anyone's ever talked about positively. Yeah, They're so a source. 
That is very possible, Banjo. You want, want my cane corns, Banjo? I do I want your cane uh, corns. I revealed it to you. I'm quite, quite happy with it. Yeah, you previewed it to me saying it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's right up there. I've said a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> Remember when I said that uh, West Coast were chanting Melbourne as shit during their... Uh, <laughs> During yes. their uh, post-game song, uh, I actually believe that one. This is kind of in, this is kind of in that category <laughs> of dumbness. I, I sat down Saturday night and watched the uh, the final, the Brisbane final, mm-hmm. Banjo. And did you notice before the game they do their weird uh, superstitious thing of a jiggy with the gloves? boxing gloves, yes, which they've been doing? Uh, Are we talking about all... Steph Martin? Yes. Oh, I thought this you too. You to it too. I think Steph <laughs> Martin the game. lost them the game 100%. <laughs> yes. So they have their boxing gloves up above the changing rooms. And it was a clear thing of like most players, just, most players went straight to it. Yeah. There was a couple of players who weren't looking at it and then kind of Lucky they were about Neil to was one of them. Then they were like, oh no, I've really got to yeah. do it. And they clearly made a big thing out of I have to touch these gloves. Yes, Steph yes, yes. Martin just... Bang, just walks straight just ignored past it. it. Jinx them, mate. And you know what I think adds That's why to they like, concede the first four goals. And he was not put on in the ruck to start the second half, Banjo, even though he was the most dominant Someone player reviewed on the, the ground. Tape. Clearly, it was a punishment for him not having touched the gloves, Banjo. Voted best on. Because he's he like, he like absolutely was best yeah. on. He was so <laughs> unbelievably good. Mummy was... Absolutely destroyed. People are talking about dropping him, and it's probably fair enough. They're going to get Jacobs next year, the Giants, and Jacobs is nearly cooked, and it's going to be such an upgrade. So, so Mummy was beaten badly by McInerney, and then it was just on a whole other level with Steph. He absolutely destroyed him. And he gave away eight free kicks. But but, yeah, Banjo, despite that effort on the field that Steph put in and the quality football he put in, he still jinxed his team and lost them the game by not touching those gloves. So... I reckon he'd want, a big, he'd, he'd want a big preseason to make up for it. He's still a demon at heart, Banjo. He, he, <laughs> does, he doesn't care about uh, Brisbane and their damn gloves. So to, uh, Loves the D's. to, to, to make the D's <laughs> season slightly better, he uh, cost Brisbane the game in a completely unrelated contest <laughs> so against did you actually, Were you thinking about that during the game? I noticed well? it. 100% noticed Liam it. Liam and I were just cracking jokes every like five minutes being like, oh, that, that happened because Steph didn't touch the gloves. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think of it until you brought it up again, but I 100% <laughs> 100% noticed it. It's funny that we both thought of it, yeah. Yeah, jinxed him, Banjo. Uh, mine, uh, just a, this is a tried and true media take. <sighs> so uh, Geelong have missed out on two big fish in the last week, and that's a stain on their reputation as a club, and I think it's a real problem for the club's image, and they're going to struggle to attract talent from now on. I mean, when you miss out on the likes of Todd Goldstein and Sean Higgins... <laughs> That's it. It's time to pack up and go home. Even though that they got probably the biggest fish we've seen for the last ten years being Dangerfield, and then last year they brought in Lucas in the past. In the past, Rowan got some really good, good there. You're only as good as the last two players to reject you, and well, they, they are terrible. They're going to get Jack Stephen, who's a better player than both Higgins and Goldstein. So. They just walk out now. Thank you for listening <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Ah, oh, you're such a troll, Banjo. You're, you're just trying so... You, you bring this up all the time. You do it with St Kilda as well. You're like, oh, they go for more Carlton's big fish. missed everybody. They, they go for more big fish than North Melbourne. Why is North Melbourne the only team that gets criticised? Yeah, because you farcical. go for more big fishes than anyone. It's, and it's farcical, like, biased media reporting. Oh, it's like clockwork. Every time you go after a player, within five minutes, there's a new article coming up saying they've signed for their team. Mm. It's been hilarious. And then you get out and you get Jared Polek and... Jasper Pittard, and you think that you've got the big fish. Now you don't have enough money anymore to get anyone good this year, Benjo. That is absolutely not true. Have you gone for anyone this year? Oh, my mate Tom Papley, who we won't get, but still. <laughs> Spent all your money on Dom Tyson, mate. Yeah. Clearly. And gave then he did his calf and was out for gave a Gave him a massive Anyway, contract. let's move on to another segment. Your team's an embarrassment. only segments this week, because uh, we haven't had much football. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> it's time for Billy Gower's watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy, Wait, hold on a second. So I gave you some homework because obviously you didn't play this week and I normally do the Billy Gowers yep. homework. So you're the Twitter man. So I gave you homework. Did, does that mean that you get to take over the throw for the segment as well? Well, you were just saying rude things about my football club. So I decided to take something near and dear to your heart away from you. I had to remind you about 12 or 13 times to do Don't something care. for Billy Gowers this week. So it's still my segment and I deserve to have Are you throw. ready to hear what Billy Gowers watch is? I, I, I actually have no idea. He hasn't tweeted in the last week. So, that's it. 
We've watched him. He didn't do anything. <laughs> you are an absolute disgrace, Banjo. What are we going to do next week? No idea. And the week Hope after. Hope he tweets about the grand final of the prelims. Oh, God, Banjo. I'm a bit, I'm a bit scared right now. Mm. I, I have we to, may I, have to move on. I have to ask you a serious question. Mm. Will there be Billy Gower's watch next year? <laughs> if I have anything to do with it, I'm gonna lean towards no. You've been a hater on Billy Gower's watch all there year. There are just better. You? There are better candidates now. The Sun God has passed his abilities on to other players. So, we, we, is it definite we're gonna have a watch segment? I think so. I think so. After the amount of attempted watch segments I did with Aaron Hall, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna continue the tradition on. So first, can we make it? If Billy Gower's is picked for round one next year, we're gonna continue with Billy Gower's. I watch, think Billy okay? Gower's watch applies anytime he plays, but we have a more consistent player to watch as well so, so we, okay so we'll have a, a separate watch segment and then yeah. when billy gowers is selected we'll add billy gowers yes watch to it. okay i think so because right, you, right. you, ne- you never forget you first but then <laughs> 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 but but at certain points it's time to move on and uh try a new flame so the next one's grind myers watch that's absolutely agreed. not you mean absolutely not? We both love there's, grind. Yeah, we do, we do. He's but our boy. there's a cult hero that you're just forgetting. Oh, I know where this is. Cam, 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 Zerha. I would never, unless it's Cam, 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 Zerha. I would never subject you. You can't sing Grind Myers. Try and sing Grind Myers to the tune of Lady Powers. We can't. Grind, Grind, Grind. We'll have to think of another thing. Doesn't work. Too many syllables. We'll have to think of another thing. But I would never subject you to have to do a watch segment about a Melbourne player unless it's Sam Frost. So we can't have Sam Frost watch. Or Magic Door. What? It actually would be no, really yeah, charming to have Magic Door make We're not doing a North Melbourne his, player. Yeah. That's Cam Zerha, it's decided. We're not doing Cam it Zerha watch. It's Grian Myers watch. We both like him. It has to be one we both like. We both like Cam Zerha. Good thing we've got like, I like him enough for two months. of people. Good thing we have a very long time to determine. Yeah. Uh, What's going to happen is you're going to forget about this and then round one I'm going to be like, Cam Zerha watch. We're not doing Cam Zerha we watch. I refuse. Are. Poochie's mailbag, Banjo. Uh, let's move on to Poochie's mailbag. Uh, so this is almost entirely from Poochie as usual. Given Luke Hodge has retired and Gary Ablett is the last <laughs> one left, who is the best player out of the 2001 Super Draft? Of course it's from Poochie. You had this as a suggestion for our top five because it came from Poochie. Yes. Uh, <sighs> it's Gaz. Oh, wait. So it's, oh, sorry, we're not taking Hodge and Ablett out of it. Okay. No. Oh, it's Gaz by a mile. Yeah. He's the, the only player we've ever seen. He's the only one in the conversation for greatest of all time, and he's firmly in that discussion. He, Hodge, no, Hodge would be Hodge would be number two. Who else was there? Stevie J was that year. Wasn't that he? draft was cooked. Yeah. It had Dane Swan. I'm pretty sure. Maybe that was a year earlier. It was, hold on, I had it up earlier. We know Hodge is Aaron better than Sa- Judd. We Aaron, ha- Aaron Sanderlands was in it. Sam Mitchell was in it. Um, it was absolutely yeah, cooked. Nick Sam Del Mitchell, Santo. Actually. I'd actually have Sam Mitchell as my number two there. Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, had Lee Monta. No, I'm just saying they, that yeah. draft is cooked. Yeah, it had it like is, four all Australians yeah. in the rookie draft. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they even have yeah just as a father son. My backup, back, my back, the greatest player we've seen. Yeah, <laughs> my backup take for uh, my Kane Corns was just like I think the 2001 draft is somehow underrated. It is so good. I was looking through it and it's just every second player is like, oh, that guy was great. Yeah. Okay. No, but Gaz is number one. Like Jared Wade, who had a very successful career, is like the 20th best player in the draft and that's just cooked. And then that was the year when Melbourne got Luke Mullen. Oh, North draft is so funny. (laughs) It's like David Hale someone else. It's so bad. Like Luke Mullen. (laughs) I don't think he played a game. Hold on. Let me read the paragraph. No, you're not getting the paragraph. No, it's it's so funny. It's so worth it. Just wait one second. Waffle on for a bit. Okay. The draft is widely known as the super draft due to both the recruitment of modern star players such as Luke Hodge, Luke Ball, Chris Judd, Jimmy Bartell, another one, (laughs) Nick Del Santo, Steve Johnson, Sam Mitchell, Lee Montagna, Gary Ablett, Brian Lake, Matthew Boyd, James Kelly, Dane Swan. And David Hale. Dane Swan, yeah, I forgot it. <laughs> and the last one, and David Hale. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke Mullen, of course. But yeah, no, I'm going one, Gaz, two, Mitchell, three, Hodge, I think. And probably Swan, four. Gee, it is but a tough Bartell, one. Bartell, then. 
How is Bartel? Nah, Swan would be above Bartel. I How think. is Bartel Swan a Brownlow and Norm Smith? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and he's somehow. Yeah, okay, he can be fifth then. He's the fifth best player in a draft. <laughs> <class. laughs> Judd's not in my top five, mate. Legitimately, <laughs> two-time Brownlow. Well, what are you going with? Yeah, you have to I do a quick know. one. No, come on. There are like four uh, Norm Smith Norm Smith medalists in it too. On the spot, your top five. Oh, Ablett one. Yep. David Hale, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mitchell, two. Judd, three. Hodge, four. Nah, Hodge Bartell. I don't know. It's impossible. Hodge, Bartell better. Judd's not that good. Anyway, Banjo. I think Matthew Boyd would be in the top ten, and he's like a three-time All-Australian. Yes, it is ridiculous. I, I can agree with you on that one, Banjo. But anyway, next question. Is Toby Green's suspension trial by media, the AFL making up for last week, or further proof of the inconsistency in the AFL administration? All three. Yeah. It's just all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's an absolute fast the yeah, way they I mean, conduct the, these all, things. All, all like, the only thing that makes me angry about this is the inconsistency. That That is the thing which is just driving me to the shits. Yeah, well, you don't the rest like of it, I can move so on trial from. by media is fine, and the AFL making up for last week in... The inconsistency. Well, yeah, is that, all that the just same proves thing. as yeah. part of the inconsistency. Yes, but that, yeah, that's just that's the part which is killing me. One for you. Does Cornelio need to play for the Giants to win? Cornelio won't play. I'm certain he won't play. Uh, I would say with both Cornelio and Toby Green out, that takes Very away tough. their big sort of. The thing which excites me about GWS is we say they're bringing that hard edge, but I feel they have those stars who can lift in the yeah. big moment and pull them over the line. Who I feel are like also you hard. Take out two of them, being Cornelio mm. and Green, makes it really, really, really tough. Yeah, I really hope he plays to make it more of a contest. Yeah, but. Uh yeah, it's un- looking unlikely. He's- I don't think he's going to play. Everything that they've said is like, we're not going to rule him out, but he's not playing. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Banjo, is Tom Hawkins a dirty player? Was his excuse of Schofield grabbing his arm one of the worst tribunal arguments of a recent memory? Uh, Hawkins has punched people way too often not to be considered dirty at this point. He's gotten suspended four times, gotten fined a bunch more. It's quite interesting the way people talk about Toby Green and Tom Hawkins so differently. Given that every time Tom Hawkins gets suspended or fined, it's for punching someone worse. Toby Green's a lot more... Uh, how would I say this? Creative in the way he gets suspended and fired. Uh, uh, Tom Hawkins is consistently going out punching people. What else can we say? It is a funny thing, though, isn't it? Like, I think if you look at the Are two... Are you going to call him cheeky? Like Bernie. <laughs> no, no, he's not cheeky. I don't think cheeky suits him. Definitely doesn't suit Green. But it's interesting. When you look at those incidents this week, Hawkins versus Greens, Hawkins is the worst incident. Like Quite he, clearly. He, it's clearly more dangerous. But for some reason, there's something about the Green incident that boils your blood more. There's something, it just feels grubby. Normalised punching in the AFL. I, I think it's something about it so like... Uh, concealed, I guess. That he, he's trying to do something at the bottom yeah, of the pack that no also, one can see that's just like... And he's, he's not doing it just out of anger and just a swing. It, it seems to be kind of premeditated and thought yeah, out. But, but also, just Hawkins gonna... punched Schofield in the back of the head. Yes, I know. No, I, I, like, I agree with you that objectively I think it is worse. But there's mm. something which boils your blood a little yeah. bit more about it. it. It feels more dodgy with Toby yeah. Green, I think, rather than just, I just whack It's a real him. shame they put such a bad role model in the All-Australian team this year. Shut up, Andrew. <laughs> uh, finally, Chris Scott said that Richmond was a better side this time last year. <laughs> That's not what he said. He said last year. Uh, please explain why he's wrong. I'm not going to explain why he's wrong because he's not wrong. Yeah, I firmly come down on that side. Like, they had Rance last year. Yeah. They were dominant all year. At worst, they'd be equal. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking at it so much from a, yeah, what players were in mm. or whatever, because then you can argue about Rance, in Lynch, like whatever. But I think the way they've played the last couple of months has been kind of the level they played for the majority of last year, yeah. really. They were that team for most of last year, and they were there's, right up until they had a bad final. And yeah, then we just remember that prelim and think they weren't that good. There's no way we'd say that if they'd won the grand final. And yeah. They didn't win the grand final out of an sort of an outlier performance. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous to say because they're hitting form and might win the grand final this year that they're a better team. If if we the went, best alongside was probably two thousand eight. 
if, if, if we went back and listened to this corresponding pod from last year, we'd be saying the exact same stuff about Richmond. They're unstoppable. They're easily the best team. They're going to win, yeah. definitely. And they had a bad final, but their form up until that, they were clearly the best team in the comp, which they are now as well. But they're at least on par, yeah. Mm. Chris, what Chris Scott said isn't incorrect. I still think the gap between Richmond and Geelong is enormous. But Geelong are a better team than last year, and Richmond are it's enormous. arguably worse. I've got sneaky hopes for Geelong. I don't yeah, know. I've got a weird. weird gut feeling. Anyway, let's move on. Final thing of the pod. Take us away with your battle situation. Yeah, battle situations with unexpected handicaps, Banjo. We have one more question off the great Facebook page, but we're saving that for the grand final. So we have to it's get... It's a little a, inappropriate and I've got to be drunk to answer yeah, it. Yeah, we have to get a little bit creative for these last couple of weeks, Banjo. So we've got one which was uh, written by myself. Banjo, and I, be good. I know you're excited the for it. The shit you gave Pooch for his uh, attempted submission. This better <laughs> to be we good. We could do Poochie's one next week. We may, we may as well. We've got some time to kill. But anyway, Banjo. Maxwell Gorn. Oh, I don't like it. But he is not a champion. So reality. <laughs> versus Majak Dor. But he is not a superstar. So why is there only a handicap for one of these players? <laughs> Shut Majak up. The only one Shut up, Banjo. It's, Ma- it's Maxwell Gorn versus Majak Dor, but they're not good. Okay, so, <laughs> so what does that translate? Does Max Gorn lose his beard or does it become short? I assume he loses his beard. Yeah. Uh, does he, no, I'm not necessarily saying he's short. But normal height. Yeah, or just only a lot above average, not gigantic. He's normal height and his skills are kind of average in a game of footy, I guess. So he shrinks a bit. I don't know. It's <laughs> we have to put this in the realm of a fight. Yeah, so the so thing that would make Max good in a fight, I suppose, is his height. So yes, yeah, reach. we knock him down to kind of average size. Majak Dor, the thing that makes him a superstar is his uh, athletic ability and his strength and his physique. No, it's so the way he, he reads becomes, the ball in flight and takes absolute hangers. No, he becomes a little, not, not weedy, but he becomes an average size person. So they're both kind of average So size. instead of being a <laughs> absolutely huge ripped man, he just becomes a large ripped man. No, he goes down to being average, like Max goes down so, to average height. Well, Max is quite skinny, and if Madge becomes and doesn't lose any height, is that what we're saying? Madge doesn't lose height? Um, <laughs> that makes him good as well. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have absolutely. I think Madge no in a fight has a higher baseline. <laughs> He seems more physically yes, gifted. Look, I would back Majak Dor to beat Maxwell Gorn. Can we get in a that fight. on record? Majak Dor is better than Max Gorn. No, he would Please beat say him that. in a fight. Into the microphone, clearly. But with, no, no. But I do think with these handicaps, Maxwell Gorn, I think, is smarter. And I Why think, do and you I, think that? <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's, he's kind of somewhat intelligent, Max. His wit. Oh, the black man can't be smart. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. I just I think Max is quite a smart bloke. And I think Majak Dor, at least on a football field, he hasn't seemed to have been Does Max Gorn lose Max? his ability to make a good coffee? <laughs> no, that's not what makes him a champion. Because he if he loses his ability, coffee. it might be lukewarm. And when he tries the scalding hot coffee in uh, Maj's face, it might not work as well. What the hell are you talking about? I, I reckon. Know. I'm just trying to annoy I you. think Maxwell Gorn would outsmart him when they both lose their <laughs> superstar. No bias at all involved. No bias at all. I have no Maj idea. Maj would obviously on. win. He is a champion <laughs> and a superstar. So obviously, he only loses one of those qualities. But anyway, thanks for listening to the Pleds on Footy <laughs> podcast. Uh, I cannot believe this went for an hour. Uh, We'll see you next week.